and welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me. Well, it has been a long time since I have spoken to my next guest, William Sylvanius. You might have heard a quick update on the Pro America report when I filled in for Ed Martin, but it blew my mind when I looked yesterday and saw October of 2020 was the last time I had him on across the county. Well, we're going to get right on into it because it's been way too long and this will not be the last time you hear from this man. And we're going to be focusing on it's time to reform politics. You'll see that on his website because it is. Things are not working the way that they are. And there's a 5% challenge we're going to bring into the discussion today. So William Sylvanius, if you haven't heard our last discussions, he's a change agent. I love calling him that because he is an author of change, a change agent, an author, a political change maker. And also recently, I just discovered, William, that you have experience as a pastor to working in nonprofits and charities. I did not know this. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Uh, Thank you, Noah. Uh, Yeah, I do have quite an experience there. I spent a lot of time in several fields, um, not only just the pastoring. I was in community corrections where I rose to making programs and homeless services. Then the, probably the most uh, gratifying thing I did was uh, being an executive director in a refugee and immigration program. We were resettling people from Bosnia, so you can imagine how that would have tugged on the heartstrings. Oh, a thousand percent. And everything you do, I find, is about making a better world and about facilitating positive change. And that's important. And if people head to your website, which is williamsylvanius.com, they're going to find several quotes. I pulled a couple of them because they lead into the discussion we're going to have about the 5% challenge today and making that time for political reform, that true political reform. A couple of quotes that I found on there. Are you tired of the adversarial way politics works? I know I am. Are you tired of the adversarial way politics works? Do you hate the widening divide? My own questions on that last one. Why isn't this the number one issue? Fixing this, William. And is this by design of the elites? They want this divide. I mean, that's a tough pill to swallow, but I think it's a distinct possibility. And as Americans, we can close that divide if we work hard. And there's a couple of things we're going to share today. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I am tired of the adversarial way, but I am even more tired of what it's doing to uh, our culture. It's actually what it's doing to our relationships. You and I kind of got started in some of this talk, talking about labels and things and talking about how things had been breaking down uh, over political labels. And that just seems to get worse. One of the things we're going to talk about in a bit is the 5%, and I'm sharing the 5% with them. I get almost 100% of people who resonate and say yes. And it doesn't mean they're on one particular side or the other politically. I'm pretty well neutral as far as I'm in the middle-ish sort of place. Uh, Across the board, it's like, yes. We got to do something. So, yeah, I'm tired of it, but I'm glad that the population saying we're getting tired of it because that's what's going to have to change. Uh, you know, the system is broken and a broken system really can't fix itself. But even more than that, they, there's too much invested in this divide on the political side and even by the political leaders. If we heal this divide, we have political leaders who will lose their positions. 
they'll lose their privileges, they'll lose their power, and they'll lose the ability for the up-and-coming ones that are looking to take over those big jobs. They will lose the chance to do that because that's not the way that will sustain their country. Well, and I think it's very apparent, William, that they don't want to lose their power, but they're going to have to start paying attention. And again, as you said, this is very bipartisan. People on the left, people on the right, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. The people are tired of not being represented. And that's why a lot of the things we're going to be talking about in the 5% project and challenge, you look at these, they are straight down the middle about what is best for America, not what is best for a political party. Yeah. Yeah, we sometimes sit around and we think, you know, almost wish we didn't have the parties. They serve a purpose, so don't get me wrong. I don't want the listeners to get me wrong. They serve a purpose, but what's become of them is not serving that purpose, and, and it's just it's just scary. All I can say is that it's just plumb scary. Let me ask you a quick sidebar. Just give me a quick answer because it's not really too much into the discussion, but it might be a little bit in the weeds, and I'm curious. Do you think that the political party system, at least as it is right now, they are in themselves, as we talked about on the show before, they're labels? Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. They are, and they've become stronger labels. And we talked a little bit one time about how the brain creates those labels and how it makes them worse. Uh, you know, there's a way we can kind of begin to work against that, but the biggest thing is becoming aware. Well, there's been nobody dealing with the labels, so that means those labels on all sides have been accumulating more and more negative power behind them. And so that's why we've gotten to the point where not only are people opposed to the other party, uh, and don't see a possibility of problem solving together. So it's come to the point where they don't even want to talk to each other. And in some of them, you hear them talking. It's like they don't even consider those other people who have those other opinions to be to be human. They are they are the problem. And those who follow them, even if they may be almost fifty percent of the, the voting population the last time around, they are they are not worthy of being Americans. That's a really really serious depth that's come into that division and uh, it, it can't be sustained but that means we have to change the systems i list off in some of my training five different systems that dehumanize we the people and they got to change and one of the reasons like even in the legislature it's uh, our legislative function has become authoritarian our political parties have become authoritarian it has that's why i brought it up just moments ago it's becoming less and less about representing the people absolutely and the people are are recognizing it they they're not being good little puppies and chewing on the bone and going home and behaving themselves they're they're discontent Uh, well and that's why something's gonna have to give something's gonna have to change from a political standpoint just as far as how the country and these representatives are running things regardless of political party because if not and i never condone violence ever but they're gonna have some serious problems on their hands because there's only so much that people are going to take and that's why we have a serious chance right now of making sure that Things can be reformed and we can do things differently. And then we can get along regardless of our viewpoint. Yeah. And one of the things we have to realize is that this has been coming on for a while uh, or almost 200 years. I'm not knocking the fathers or anything, but the way things have unfolded have kind of reached this. And then in the last 30 to 40 years, especially the last 20 years, they've just become wildly, wildly unworkable. 
uh, because they've done the normal thing. They've grown, but they've grown in the bad, not on the good side. And uh, that's so we don't want to go back to something that was because it wasn't. We wanted to get on with what was the dream of uh, of how we can be this great nation, how we can continue to reap our liberties and our rights and uh, be united despite our differences, because we're always going to have differences. Have since the beginning, we're human beings. We will till God comes back. But uh, that doesn't matter. That doesn't mean we can't get along. That doesn't mean we can't problem solve. We can't come up and take the ideas from both sides to come with an idea that's actually better than either alone. But we have to first get somewhere in the middle where we say, okay, we're talking about the same problem. Uh, we have to trust each other to be equally human and have equally valuable minds. And then we have to discover, well, what is it that makes you think this way? What is it that leads you to still believe this is the, the solution? And then be willing to, to reply the other way without trying to go into trying to convince people, that, but my way is best. No, we just need to find out. What is it about? And then if we share what the both are about, I'm a firm believer that it will come up better than we are, at least better than we are. And that, and what you're talking about right now is something that, it's a term that's used, but it's often misconstrued and it's not used with the best intentions. When you hear different people in different walks of life with different political persuasions say, you need to meet me in the middle. Let's reach across the aisle. It's now used as in, okay, come over to my side, believe what I believe, and then you have reached across the aisle. No, it's about coming to the table and trying to come up with a solution with both sides bringing their best to the table. And you know what? You might come up with something that's best for Americans. And that's what I believe the 5% project and the challenge here is all about. And William, in brief, talk to us about what this actually is, how you came up with it, Let's not get into the, the, the statements just yet, because I want to go through those one at a time very quickly. But let's talk about how you came up with this idea, because I really believe it's got some solid merit. Well, we, I had done a few uh, webinars just monkeying around with what to do with this desire and this uh, need to, to get involved and try and work towards something positive. And uh, so I'd had some people that had joined those, just, you know, a, a very small handful. But I got to thinking about this, what has turned into the 5% project. And I reached out to the ones that had been in the classes and I said, hey, does this resonate with anybody? And two of them, two very one, different ones politically. I mean, you talk about your liberal and your, your uh, moving to the right <laughs> uh, conservative. And that's the two that responded. And yet they both said, no, we got to do something. And that's how it got started. Then we had another guy that's joined on. Uh, it's just been a, a valuable asset. So we kind of put our heads together. And this is what we use as, as what we're about. We kind of do it two ways. I'm going to do it the one way. And then I'm going to tell you the other ending you sometimes put on it. The 5% Project is a neutral, nonviolent, nonpartisan gathering of people who hold wildly different political agendas, but come together to stop the current fight and flight practice of politics and seek to form a more perfect union, establish justice, and ensure domestic tranquility. That sounds like it's something straight out of, and I'm not trying to sugarcoat (laughs) it, William. I think this is straight up what it is. It is something that you would almost read in the Constitution, something that might even be 
a addendum because really all it's about is bettering the nation. It's not about bettering a political party or a political figure or a particular way of life. It, it, it really just sounds like it has the best interest for every American. What it comes from, Noah, is it comes from the preamble to the Constitution. And a lot of us don't pay attention to the preamble because we don't understand what its function was. But the preamble is basically saying, here is what we the people are giving you the power to do for us. It says, we the people, and then in order to form the more perfect union, establish justice and ensure tranquility, and then goes on a few more things, but then do set aside this constitution. So it, the power to the political system comes from the people. And this was the task that were assigned to government and therefore to the political players who were to be our representatives. So yes, you're right. It is very much the Constitution. It's the framework of the Constitution itself. The other ending that we put on there a lot of times, uh, because it's, these are big, lofty things, right? And we need to do them and we need to never lose focus of them. But we also like to talk about what can happen. What is the dynamics that have to change? And so often we say we uh, come together to stop the current fight and flight practices of politics and to, I don't remember what my transitional word is anyhow, you know, I should establish basically cooperation, dialogue, respect, and problem solving. And the key word that you said there, William, which I believe has really been lost today, is respect. When you're trying to find a solution of whatever is going on in a particular state, in, in this particular nation, in a particular city or town, a lot of the respect has been lost today. And we need to get back to being okay and being supportive of, even if we don't agree with the other viewpoint and then moving forward and figuring out how we can work together to get it done. I was just making a note in a a book I'm reading or some studies I'm doing. And that note was that the, uh, uh, the educational agenda of the 5% is to, um, to teach how to come back together as humans. How do we come to that point where we see the other as being equally human as ourselves? I love that. That is probably a great way to sum it all up. And what I'd like to go through now, by the way, if you've just joined us on the conversation, we're talking about the 5% Project. My guest, William Sylvanius. Returning to the show, go to williamsylvanius.com. He's a change agent and author, political change maker, so many other great things. I'm going to read these political policy statements. I want you to tell me briefly why each of them is so important. And there's six of them. Let's start with the first one. We want we the people to be the rightful masters of Congress, the administration, and the courts not to overthrow the constitution but to overthrow the individuals who pervert the constitution that's pretty straightforward what are your thoughts on that well a lot of what is going on nowadays is not based in the constitution it's been things that have been added or uh, what i talk about as being the rules customs and traditions and 
Those are all things that we created on the foundation of the Constitution, but those are what are ruling now rather than a Constitution. So you have, for instance, the the executive branch has been given uh, this issue called, uh, what is it, presidential uh, decrees, right? Well, the reason originally that was just simply the power to tell the other people in the executive branch how they were going to do things as you enforce the laws that have been passed. But now it has come where it's been moved around through the years where they actually have the, the power to almost create a legislative act. And there's this thing in there of if it's not challenged by so much time, then it becomes law. It's going like, what? The executive can now make laws? We've already seen that happen in the uh, Supreme Court from time to time, where all of a sudden we suddenly have new rights or, or new things that are supposedly... Uh, have to become treated as law because they're in the rulings they made. So we see that overstep into the legislative. And then we see the legislative overstepping the other way, where they want to uh, tell the executive and the courts how they're going to do and what they're going to do. And uh, like now, the big push on is to politicize the court. Uh, And of course, we already know the executive branch has been drawn totally into the divide and the dysfunction of the parties themselves. And it's caused us serious problems as far as a nation and far as keeping continuity. We, we're in the danger of having a new form of government every four years if we were to change presidents every four years. Oh, That's exactly. Because power. they think they can do whatever they want, you know, and that they can kind of mix and match the different privileges in each of the branches. And that's not how this country was set up. So that's why number one is so important. And number two, I think would actually hold people accountable, which is what I think this nation has needed for quite some time. So I'm glad it's here in the statements for the 5% project. We want an amendment to the Constitution limiting the terms of senators and representatives. They might do their best job if they actually had term limits that were just like, nope, you've already, you're termed out. So thank you for your service. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really proven uh by the deterioration that's happened, like I say, in the last 20 years, that staying longer has created this system of privileges and power, uh, prestige, that they can't give up. Uh, and so they, that's why it's become so authoritarian. You have people that have that much power accumulated, and the rules have been written so that they have even more power because they, you know, they can punish you. They can get you kicked out. They can do all things. One of the things that currently just bothers me is there's these huge funds for elections in both of the the House and the Senate that are totally under control of the individual party caucuses and that are used to ensure that the sitting members don't get uh, unseated or that if someone they don't want there doesn't get reelected. And I mean, we're talking about in the millions and millions of dollars and they use them. So they can threaten you, you know, hey, you're not going to get reelected because they got the money to go out there and make that work at this point in time. Those are things that wouldn't happen as easily anyway with limiting the terms. And a lot of people are saying this uh, also gets you fresh ideas in there. It breaks through log jams that might develop between personalities, you know, just the things that we humans bring into the process. Uh, we limit the presidency. Why in the world don't we limit the senators and the representatives? I think it should be for every political office in the land, William. I think it makes so much sense. 
Moving along to number three, we want all committee meetings. Gosh, this is brilliant. I, it's not, something I never really thought about, but it is so true. All committee meetings in the Senate and House of Representatives to be open and telecast unless involving national security with transcripts and recordings of meetings available for public access through the Library of Congress. You want to talk about holding somebody accountable? All eyes are on them. Again, as you just said, with limited exception, all the time. Yeah, and that's really the motivation behind that. Uh, on both sides of the divide, we we talk to people who are just tired of not being able to know what's going on. And so we know this isn't a partisan issue. And it's uh, it allows a lot of the work that is done, and there is some work done, but it allows that to be done out of the public eye without ready access to what happened earlier today. And so while in fact transcripts, well, at least recordings, well, and transcripts are made of most of those events and uh, meetings, they aren't available sometimes for weeks. But if you have that immediate accountability where people can go and get it because, well, it happened today while I was at work, but I was interested in that issue and I come home tonight and I go to that site because I know it's going to be there and easy to access and I can listen. And I know who said what rather than the publicans said this and the, uh, the Democrats said that or, you know, it allows that personal accountability as we listen to them talk and we hear from their own mouth rather than somebody reporting what they said. We hear what they said, because frankly, a lot of us don't trust that when they come out and tell us what they said, that they're really telling us the truth. Yeah, we just take it as face value. Okay, they said they said it, so we believe it, or no, they've lied enough, so I don't know if I believe them. Now you just go back, and you can look and see for yourself, or hear for yourself, this is exactly what they said word for word. Yeah, and that gives us the ability to keep a little more accountability for them, because when we get contact them, or when we talk among ourselves, we can say, yeah, listen to this, or, you know, I hear what you said, but here is what the recording says. Exactly. And then you exactly. got a chance to well, get Let's move on to going. point number four here, William. We're not point four, but what we want That's in right. these statements, the 5% project policy statements, number four. We want to make it illegal for caucuses and legislators to influence a candidate's election through financial support, gifts, and or other Donations. Why does this sound so vaguely familiar, William? This might be happening somewhere that I'm familiar with. <laughs> <laughs> well, it might be, and that's actually there's laws on the books that were intended to uh, put some of that to rest, if I dare put it that way. And they just, you know, when you write the laws that are trying to correct what you do, but you don't want to lose the power you have, what do you do? Oh, well, that's easy to know. You you write in a way there's loopholes in it, right? And even if you didn't, you'll find a loophole because nothing is written perfectly. But no, we, we don't, we would like to see a system where you don't even go out and support another candidate. If you are a person in the elected position, you don't have the privilege and I know it sounds kind of dictatorial, so we struggled with this a lot, but we don't want you to have the ability to go out and help that other candidate. They want, we want to see them stand on their own, and we don't want you transferring the financial support that came to you, to them, so you can help them get elected, and then that, those big slush funds, I like to call them, that I referred to earlier, we, we don't want that kind of stuff to happen anymore. 
So some ways they get around it is they make gifts or other donations like travel and things like that. And we're saying, no, hands off means hands off. Well, and it's one set of rules for everybody. That's the bottom line. And I think that when you look at it like that, it's very fair because you'll have various elections where, you know, a political figure comes in, they hold political office, they endorse, so to speak, a another particular person. One might say that's freedom of speech, but then what does that do to the other candidates that are particularly running? And does that make it an even playing field? It's something to at least examine. I agree. And it, it, uh, in my way of thinking, it separates the decision more from the voters and keeps it up at a higher level. Well said. Well said. Well, let's move on to point number five as we wind down here on Across the County. My guest, William Sylvania, is going over the policy statements at the 5% Project. So glad that he's brought this to my attention, something that he's been working on. We want the body of and any amendments or additions to legislation to be directly related to the initial topic of the document. William, again, you call me silly and old fashioned, but, uh, you know, it seems like there's so many policies and documents that crossed and it has nothing to do with one or the other. This seems like it's straightforward. And that's what we're angling for. We want legislation to be straightforward. Right now, the process is that you get this legislation and then you go out and you buy votes by saying, well, we'll put in there that you'll get XYZ project or we'll put your pet uh, thing that you want to get done in there. And a lot of times things, you know, we had that nice bipartisan uh, passage of the infrastructure bill, something that came in about and happened in a way that was almost like we dream never could happen again. And what was the immediate thing done to it? It was sent back and then it was brought back into the next level back in the house in this case. And they attached all these other things that were going to make it uh, difficult for everybody to support because that's uh, Nancy Pelosi came right out and said this one time, and so did Representative Clyburn, and I met Mr. Clyburn, and I, I have high respect for him, but they both said, that's how you get business done. Wow. No. That's, that's eye-opening. things in there that nobody even knows is there, and then later, all of a sudden, this policy has become law, and you say, where'd that come from? I would have opposed that. It got put in. They actually take whole pieces of legislation, stick them onto another piece of legislation, hoping that someone will vote for the overall package because they don't want to be seen back in their district about, in this case, standing against infrastructure. Oh, sure. Because when most people think infrastructure, William, they're like, okay, bridges, roads. I mean, those are the things you think about, basic things like that. And some of the things in this package were, and we're not going to get into them because we're running out of time. Unbelievable. Furthest thing from infrastructure that you could even imagine. And that's why we need this. We need that, that the piece of legislation stands on its own and uh, nothing goes in there that doesn't match the topic of that document. I love it. Let's get to the last one here and about 90 seconds or less on this last (laughs) one. But it's a very important one, William. We want no legislation in the form of a bill or amendment to be enacted without enough time for each voting member of Congress to thoroughly read and question any part thereof. You know, I mean, I can think of so many different things. Obamacare, for one, let's just bring it up right out of the uh, back of my mind, because we're talking thousands and thousands of pages, yet they breeze through getting these things 
you know, on the floor and passed into law, then there's no way that they can have a thorough understanding of what is in what they're signing or not what they're signing, but what they're trying to get signed. You're hearing over and over again of bills that are 700 pages long or like Obamacare, which is even longer, being dropped on the desk of the people who have to vote on them. Sometimes only hours, certainly very commonly the night before an early morning vote is scheduled. There is no way. There is no way. Not even with their congressional staff, there's not enough time to really know what's there to think it over and process it. Uh, and there certainly isn't time then to question it. And that's how you get things slipped through that uh, wouldn't otherwise be supported. You know, Obamacare was done that way, and it created a lot of tension. There are a couple of things in Obamacare that were really good, uh, and we won't get into it. But on the other hand, there was so much more that just was crazy and even admittedly wasn't going to work. But uh, for the sake of setting precedent, we did it, and that's how we did it. Yeah, I'm looking right now, and, and I don't know if this is exact or not, but the initial internet search says that Obamacare, William, is a only a mere 2,700 pages. I'm sure that the senators and the congressmen were able to read these things just like, you know, right before bed. And see, with that other thing up there earlier, where that committee stuff has to be done in the open, then a lot of that would have had to have been in the open because it would have been out there and telecast on those committees that had to approve it to get it out to the hall, to the floor. But instead, it was kept in committees that were closed door. And so, uh, you know, the, the accountability was kept up and it puts people in the box. Not a good way to do good legislation. Just It's not frankly, good legislation. It's not even good business. I mean, a businessman, a legit businessman would tell you that. That is why these six statements in the 5% Project policy statements for the 5% Project is amazing. And I would like to get more people on board with this. They can definitely learn more about it if they go to the, your website, which is williamsylvanius.com. Anything that you'd like to close with, William, here in the next 60 seconds to maybe tell people why the 5% project is something that should be explored, that it is something that is worthwhile, and that it's something that if we get enough people behind this, we could maybe possibly get this through to some people that are in the realm of government, because this is how we take our country back. Well, one of the things I want to get out there is I'd like to give the, the website for the 5%. And that's the, then the number five, with then percent spelled out, project spelled out dot com. So the number five percent project dot com. And that gives you even a little bit more. Um, oh, there's so much I could say. And when I go off on a focus like that, I sometimes lose it. But what we want people to do is basically say, we stand with you. It's, a, it's kind of just given us agreement. I have a word on the Facebook page as well that uh, you can reach uh, that, that says that it's on the on the uh, 5% page. And uh, so because this came out of realizing from reading a book on Gandhi and Martin Luther King and a bunch of those other change agents that every study shows that if 5% of a nation gets behind an idea, it usually comes to pass. That is incredible. I know we've had off-air discussions. You have told me this as you were getting these initial thoughts together. And 5% seems like a lot. 
you have enough people out there, I believe, that just don't know how to get these things into fruition. Pass along this message, share it with them, share the website, the 5% spelled out, the 5% project.com. Also go to williamsylvanius.com. You'd be surprised how quickly the numbers can grow to actually make a true bipartisan effort to do things in this country the way they should be done. Correct, William? Absolutely. And we want all those people that aren't aligned with the party. Hey, we know why you're not. So get on board here and let's get our voices heard. It's all about getting your voices heard. That is indeed 100 percent what it is all about. William, thanks for joining me on the show again. It was a pleasure to have you back on. And I promise we're actually going to be scheduling something in the next month or so. And we'll continue to talk about the 5 percent project. See how it is growing. Sounds great. Appreciate it again. Noah here on Across the County. Again, go to the 5% Project spelled out. The 5%project.com, williamsylvanius.com. He is a change agent and somebody that is affecting the way people think. And that's what it's all about.